immersive cultural enrichment on board and on shore, freshly prepared regional cuisine, Viking sails the rivers of the world and takes travelers to the heart of iconic destinations. Discover more at viking.com. For those of you who assumed George Warleggan was out of schemes, never fear, he's back in action with a new co-conspirator, the devilish Monk Adderley. Captain Monk Adderley, right honorable member for Bishop's Castle, a place I've never seen nor ever intend to. How may I assist you? And elsewhere in Cornwall, the slow decline of Nat Pierce leaves Ross Poldark's finances in a precarious state. Pasco's bank stands guarantor for all those funds. And Ross Poldark's entire capital is also lodged at Pasco's bank. So when Nat Pierce finally expires, the pressure, which might be brought to bear, could kill two birds with one stone. But we're mostly just glad to see Cousin Verity back in Cornwall for a few bright moments. My dear, I would have thought after your experience with me, you'd have had your fill of matchmaking. Not at all. See how well that worked out. <laughs> I'm Barrett Brontis, and this is Mining Poldark, a podcast from Masterpiece. I'm joined by Robin Ellis, who played Ross Poldark in the 1970s adaptation of the series. Hi there, Robin. Hi, Barrett. Let's get everything laid out neatly before getting into the specifics of this episode. A new baby, a new villain, a new actor playing Jeffrey Charles, and Verity! No wonder this episode had a party. Right away, Maverick MP Ross Poldark is already making waves in the House of Commons, advocating for the poor. But takes no heed of Lord Falmouth's advice not to serve at the expense of his wife and family. He stays six months, but turns down the advances of the gaudy prostitutes on offer. Back in Cornwall, running the mines, the fields, the household, and the family, Demelza has still found time to dust off her matchmaker credentials and begin work on a Drake-Rosina union, with zero percent subtlety. Four new faces join the episode, and we'll start off our list with the sweetest— Dwight and Caroline's offshoot, Sarah Caroline Ennis. Everyone except for Horace, and purportedly Caroline, although we know better, is shot through with joy over baby Sarah. But before long, the doctor in Dwight notices something deeply troubling in Sarah, which he's hiding behind a heartbreaking, fleeting smile. George, in London too, meets with Captain Monk Adderley, an MP proud never to have seen his constituency, and a fixer who has slivered snake-like, his name is Adderley, to the verge of the aristocracy from similarly humble origins. He counsels George to be a patron, not just an MP. I'm going to buy a borough, George tells Carey on his return. You're out of your mind. And throw a gathering like of which Trinwith has never seen to impress and buy a borough or two or three. Elizabeth is more receptive. Aussie's mother, Lady Whitworth, arrives to prove that the odious apple doesn't fall far from the tree. She's prepared to take the Morwenna situation in hand through the hiring of a governess, but Morwenna dismisses the governess and holds her ground. Geoffrey Charles is a new face, though a returning character. He's now older, a little more worldly, and slightly dissipated, though at heart he's still an earnest young Poldark. At the mine, Zaki, Paul, and Sam are skeptical. He'll have time to make a workable plan for the mine, what with his London duties and all. Are you saying I'm out of touch with my own mine? No disrespect is their respectful reply. 
He proposes three clear months of hammer swinging, starting today. Old Ross is back, and not just down the mine. After work, he's persuaded to join the fishing party on the beach. Go on, it's your beach, Ross. But he stumbles on a rumble. Illugan miners are threatening Tolly's life. Ross hurtles to the rescue. Old Ross is back and in the thick of it. It's bracing. Tolly revives and they all go to the Kidley for a celebration. Thus fortified, Ross is emboldened to sneak a peek at the big party. Elizabeth is shocked to see him, but this isn't old Ross and old Elizabeth. It's friendly and fun. Until Captain Snake-like slithers into view. It's not so easy with Demelza. He'd left for Westminster before they had a chance to work through the old Hugh and even the old Elizabeth ghosts. But after a heart-to-heart about Hugh and Elizabeth and the gift of a pair of earrings, these two strangers are getting reacquainted in the way they know best. In an episode that's doing a lot of table setting, it has a very satisfying ending on top of Nampara's kitchen table. (laughs) Very good. Excellent. Well, let's dive right in. You lead us off because your scene comes first. That's the scene about strangers. It starts with her saying, we feel like strangers. We seem like strangers now. We were strangers before I left. And not of my... Doing. But of mine. And that's what you've been thinking all this time? I've been grieving for you. Have you not? It is all past, Ross. Done with. But you left for London, so I had no chance to tell you so. Then you kept away. It seemed easier to fight a shade from afar. And all these months, the distance, the mistrust. I think you no longer know me, Ross. Perhaps we no longer know each other. It's quite a nice sort of slow coming together over that period of time. And let me ask you about this scene that I'm including, which has two halves. The second half is the morning after, as it were. Tell me of London. Loud. And hectic. And your life there? Pampered and decadent. See how soft and fat I've become. (laughs) On the contrary. Where are you going? To prove to myself how unfit I am. And she's left rather pensive, and it's a sort of holding scene, I feel, and quite friendly and quite encouraging to us as an audience that this is going to turn out okay in the end, but it's taking a bit of time, which is quite natural after six months of absence, as it were. Yeah, even if they'd left on the best of terms six months apart, it does take a little time to fall into sync together. In this, what I like to call the weight loss episode, I guess, of Poldar... (laughs) Which is very strange. His first, you look thinner. Thinner, yes, yes, that's right. And then he remarks on his own physique there. But in this episode, I think they are moving toward coming back together and being in sync with the added burden of all the work that they have to do, really, to get over the Hugh thing. And I do think it's nice. He is trying. He's really trying. I found it surprising when she says, is that what you've been thinking this whole time, that I've been grieving for Hugh? She's tough on him, isn't she, really? Why would he think any differently, honestly? Why? He had to leave kind of right away. 
And then he was for six months away. And of course he's going to be worried. He's going to be lonely and worried. He doesn't know many people in London. There's no email, no, no Skype. They are separated, absolutely, right. uh, for six months. Yeah. There, there's a couple of letters involved, I think. But, um, you know, the letters take a long time. They do. So this is good. They're on their way, which is nice. It's, it is a sweet scene that morning in bed. And I don't think that they came together the night before. But I do feel like in the morning, there's a little bit of that warmth between them is, is reestablished already. So this leads directly to my first choice of a scene, which is the marvelous marvelous scene with Dwight. Ross goes down to the beach to have a swim in order to trim down, I guess. And <laughs> there he encounters Dwight just coming out of the sea. He's had the bracing swim to celebrate the miracle of baby Sarah. And I just wanted to pause and and enjoy this fantastic scene. They haven't seen each other for six months. Here's this, the morning after Ross has arrived back, is this most momentous day in Dwight's life, probably. And the way that it's composed, it's this great big empty beach. And from opposite sides of the screen, they're walking toward one another. It's just a terrific moment. Spirits are high. Dwight is, is so happy. Ross could not be happier for him. They've come a long way, these two together. Now Dwight is embarking on something that Ross has already understood and is experiencing, so he understands Dwight's joy. Dwight. This is intolerable. Can a man not have an ocean to himself now and then? Is this your custom now? Only on days when I become a father. That's tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, son or daughter? Sarah. So it begins. Life's greatest adventure. I think you need a drink. Uh. <laughs> it's just a fantastic moment. They embrace. I loved it. I did too. It's visually wonderfully shot. And Dwight looks extraordinary in his, it looks like sort of long johns, but maybe they're the, the period swimming costume. I don't know. But he looked in great shape and it's just a, a joyful reunion of two friends. So Ross has been through the reunion with Demelza, and the next person he probably would like to meet is Dwight, his best friend. And Dwight says, uh, how is Demelza? And, and Ross says, thawing, which is <laughs> very nice summing up. It's quite truthful, really. And Ross, as you say, understands that this is the greatest moment, which is tremendous, really. I mean, that kind of immediate recognition of the importance of what's happened and uh, nothing else really matches it. I think it says a lot about Dwight here. And, and it's, it's a very spare scene. And they go off just arm in arm to have a drink. It's a lovely scene. I'm glad you chose that because it's very pleasing to watch and it's very pleasing to enjoy and see these two old mates, as it were, reunited. Yeah. It really is. It really is. Now, did you have another scene? Did you say you were choosing the Verity conversation? Yes. Well, there are two of them. She, she arrives and they have this rather awkward scene with George, who's very mean to Verity and sort of really just uh, walks out to pack for London. And, you know, I really enjoy Verity. I enjoyed her when I played Ross. I, I loved playing the scenes. She's sort of an, an older sister. I feel that she's older. 
older than Ross, but um, she may not be. I don't know that for a fact. But somehow she she's sister-like. And I've always been very fond of her. And so I miss her in a sense because she's gone off and married Blamey and so is hardly ever in England, let alone in Trenworth. Um, there are three major scenes she's in. And the first one is this arrival, which is quite cool and interesting from Elizabeth's point of view because she's sort of compromised by her newfound rapprochement with George and in a way Verity is a slightly awkward presence for her because it's an echo of another life you know when Francis was in Trenwith and the master of the place and all that and so she's slightly awkward with Verity at first but then this this central scene in the evening I think they're both much more relaxed with each other. How is Captain Blamey? Well, I thank you. He sends his regards. That's kind of him, considering. Andrew is not a vengeful man, but in matters of the heart, he does not hold with interference from those who think they know better. Myself, in your case, animal winners. Rape and venom in Caroline's. And your mother, in yours. How different might so many lives have been without such interference? Let us vow in future to let nature take its course. Agreed. And then you have this extraordinary shot of Elizabeth in bed after the conversation alone, because George gone off to London, I suppose. And Elizabeth is looking pretty sad. I mean... I found it hard to find a word to describe the looks that she has. Can you help me out? Yeah, it's interesting. So Elizabeth is looking back at her own behavior, really, and and thinking about how she behaved um, with Morwenna. And also, I thought it was lovely and really generous that Verity said, and your mother in yours. That is acknowledging that Elizabeth didn't have freedom, really, and that a lot of what happened was because of the pressure that Elizabeth was under from her mother. You're so right about that, and so verity to say that. You know, it's such a generous spirit that says that, and uh, it's lovely to have her back, if, if only for a short period. Let's take a quick break before our next scene to hear a word from our sponsors. Coming up next on Masterpiece on PBS, the premiere of Nolly begins March 17th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, followed by the premiere of Alice and Jack at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. So the next scene we have, you and I both chose, and it's the scene where Ross, after the brawl on the beach and the time at the Kidley singing and embracing Tolly as he goes off to find some woman... Someone jokes, why don't you go to the party? And uh, the next thing we know, Elizabeth is outside getting some fresh air and up comes Ross. He's gone. And my first thought is stop going to Trenwith. Just stop. Don't go there anymore. But it turns out that they have a really lovely interaction as friends. And it works for the two of them. I don't know how well it works for Demelza. And I know it definitely wouldn't work for George. But if they can have this sort of looking out for each other a little bit, and and if they can have that kind of relationship going forward, it's wonderful. Good evening, Elizabeth. Ross, you're trespassing. Not entirely. 
This is, after all, a Poldark house. And as the senior Poldark left alive, I have a fancy to see what sort of party you're giving. But if George should see you... Oh, he wouldn't risk a scandal in front of all his fine guests. Not that I see confrontation. Ever. Hmm. I came up for a breath of air. Is Geoffrey Charles here? Yes, but do not speak to him tonight. I see enough of him in London. I know. It pleases him greatly. But he's so worldly wise, Ross. So blasé for one so young. He'll grow out of it. Francis was no different at that age. You think I'm like Francis? In the better ways, yeah. Hmm. And Valentine? He's well. And George? His suspicions? Gone. And will only return if he has calls. Such as your coming here tonight. It's great to see the two of them without baggage somehow. They're traveling light. And uh, it bodes well for the future. They're in a good place with one another. I think Elizabeth was definitely the hostess with the mostest at this party. She is on message with George. And I kind of like this new place that George and Elizabeth are in, in their relationship. I mean, she is 100% Mrs. Warleggan now, and she's going to dance with that one, and she's going to talk up that one, and she's going to make sure that, you know, obviously she doesn't care, um, really, but she's going to make sure for her husband that he has every shot of buying a burrow or two or three. I didn't see her hitting the uh, tonic this week, did you? This is a different relationship. In a way, like Ross and Elizabeth is a different relationship, and it's kind of good, actually, because it's a, it's a relaunch, and it's a good thing for the audience to look forward to how this will, will play out and whether it will last. But I think in her case, I think it's genuine. I mean, I think yeah. she's found a place in herself, which is more like her mother than she was before, in a sense. She's playing the hostess with the mostest, and uh, she's surprised that it comes so naturally to her. And she sees very, she's very relaxed with Ross, and I'm sure she hasn't drunk as much as he, he has. So <laughs> <laughs> she's able to host Monk Adley in a relaxed way, although she says, shall we go now? And he says, in a moment. She's not thrown by that. She just plays it along. It's fascinating to see the new Elizabeth, in a sense. One last thing to observe about this scene that was really lovely was when the two of them, Ross and Elizabeth, talk about Jeffrey Charles together. Elizabeth, I think, is more relaxed because she feels sure of her children. The children are what matter the most to Elizabeth. And she feels secure now in Valentine. Yeah. And I think she feels like Jeffrey Charles... Her agony last season was about losing her relationship with Jeffrey Charles. It was very sad, you know, and now she's come to the other side. She's accepted that loss. It's sort of natural now as he's getting older to be at a remove from her son. So there's sort of a natural moving forward in their relationship. So she just feels, I think, a lot less worried as a mom. And I think that because of that, she can relax into her role so when they talk about Jeffrey Charles, it's really sweet. It's not a, a heads-on conversation. It's about other things, and it's such a relief. They're talking about other things. It's a good development. Now we're going to race through my last choice, which was the table scene. 
They're in the kitchen. Ross comes home from his big night. He did everything. It was a good night for Ross, a really good night. And uh, he's off having a good night, by the way, and she's like finishing the laundry. But okay, that's that's realistic. When uh, he comes back, they talk about where he'd been, and he. I like that he admits that he'd been to Trenwith. Did you catch anything? Death of cold, and more rough and tumble than a bargain for. But yes, it was as I hoped. Then we went to the Kidley, and we drank. And then you came home. And then I came home. By way of Trenwith. You didn't. Naturally, I didn't go in. But to even go near. And to what end? To provoke George? Oh, it was an impulse. To see the place again. And Elizabeth? I found her walking in the garden. And we spoke a little. She was not unwelcoming. You don't suspect an attachment there still. No more than you suspect my attachment to Hugh. Except you do still suspect. I cannot compete with a ghost. No more could I compete with an ideal. Is that why it happened with Hugh? To teach me a lesson? You know it was not. These shadows. Hugh and Elizabeth. Do we not have enough to grapple with without they come between us? Yes. We have enough. I feel like this is kind of rehashing the same conversation that we've had several times. This is a competitive um, back and forth about, you know, you, I did this, you did the same, I did this, you did the same thing. I hope they, they get out of that habit quite soon. I mean, it's natural, but it means there's still some trouble. They both understand now that they need to do this work together. So in a way, they are in sync, right, by the end of this episode. And then he gives her the earrings, which is lovely. And I remember what happened the last time he gave her a present, the stockings, which I still believe he was giving himself a present with that. But he gives her the earrings, and he just slays me with this line. Are we strangers still? Yes. But strangers who know every inch of each other's skin. So perhaps we should begin again from there. That's so good. Unfortunately, there's a table there, which is handy. And um, right. <laughs> it is a very good ending. And it's kind of a tie-up of the relationship in the episode, isn't it? The three major scenes. And uh, this final scene actually mm -hmm. ties it up very nicely and makes sense in retrospect of the others somehow. You need the others to reach this point. And, uh, oh, it's so good to see characters, I suppose come to the end of a journey, in a sense, that we've been watching for two or three series and lots of episodes. And then suddenly they reach the end of the, not the end of the road, but you know what I mean? The end of the chapter. The end of a chapter, yeah. And it's nice for the audience, I think, because there's, uh, there's so much we can take. Right, it's true. And maybe we won't have to have this conversation again. That would be nice. That would be good. Okay, okay yeah. good. <laughs> now we're going to have sort of new things happening. I think that this the table setting of this episode is is really good because, okay, Elizabeth and George are in this place. Ross and Demelza are in this place. What's going to happen next? What do you think of our hero this episode? 
Well, apart from what have you been up to, uh, I, th I thought actually <laughs> he did pretty well, really. So from maybe for that reason, um, I bring him down to nine and a half. <laughs> Because I was on 10, I think. I'm holding him at nine and a half. I love it. I loved his uh, his Batman pow, blam. <laughs> so uh, on to the next one. And thank goodness that everyone did interfere um, as uh, Verity and Elizabeth uh, were talking about because we have all this great plot. <laughs> great. Thank you so much as always, Robin. It's been such fun. Until the next time. Bye for now. Next time on Poldark, Dr. Dwight's diagnosis comes true. Dr. Ennis, you do fuss over that child. She has a cult. Even I know that's not the end of the world. No. But for Sarah, it will be. We'll grieve together here on Mining Poldark. And you can join us in our re-watching adventure here on Mining Poldark by watching the entire series on PBS Passport, a new member benefit from your local PBS station. You can watch select masterpiece titles like Poldark, Downton Abbey, or Victoria as part of the Passport experience. To learn more, visit pbs.org slash getpassport. You can also follow along with us on the PBS Masterpiece Prime video channel, available as an add-on service to your Amazon Prime membership. Mining Poldark is hosted by me, Barrett Brontis, with co-host Robin Ellis. We're produced by Nick Anderson with help from Robin Bissett. Meredith Wheeler is our field producer. Tina Toby Mack is our sound designer. Suzanne Simpson is our executive producer. The executive producer of Masterpiece is Rebecca Eaton. Sponsors for Masterpiece on PBS are Viking, Raymond James, and the Masterpiece Trust. Poldark is a Mammoth Screen production for BBC, co-produced with Masterpiece.